the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show. My name is Mike Lee, filling in for Georgine today. I'm also happy to serve as Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, now on 106.3 FM in Vancouver and East Portland, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860 The Answer KPAM, La Patrona 1640, 93.1 El Rey, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'm also privileged to host our ministry spotlight program, Difference Makers, which airs at 1 p.m., Fridays and Saturdays on True Talk at 100, and also Saturday afternoons at 1 on 93.9 KPDQ. I would love to talk with you about getting more people back to your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, becoming known as an authority in your field, and getting more known through radio and podcasts building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you, getting your message directly to your target audience through the powerful online tools of Salem Surround, and most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or a connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. Our two very special guests are Angela Lee, who serves as an assistant director for chaplaincy in the West Coast region, and our old friend, Dr. Terry Johnson. And Terry, what's your latest title? It's kind of oh, tough man, to I keep have up so with ma- you, I have friend. so many titles. Well, the one I have today is uh, uh, Vice President of Mission Integration at OSHU Adventist Health. So Dr. Terry calls me up. You may remember him from 104.1 The Fish, our sister music station. And he says, Mike, I've got someone in town you've got to meet. So enter you, Angela Lee. So where are you from, first of all, Angela? Um, Originally, I was born in Hong Kong and I moved over here with my family um, about 30 some years ago. Okay, like many Asians and blacks, as we have in the room right now, you look incredibly young and you wear your age very, very well. I I can't, I honestly can't tell if you're 20 something or 50 something. Thank you. No, I have two college age kids. Are you serious? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, well, whatever you're doing must be keeping you young, or I guess our, whatever they're feeding us at Adventist Medical Center <laughs> must be exactly healthy. <laughs> no, I don't eat there, sorry. <laughs> I'll take that back then. <laughs> so, some of the things we want to talk about today include chaplaincy and spiritual care. So, first of all, Angela, what exactly is your role as Assistant Director for Chaplaincy, and how did you get into the industry in the first place? All right. Maybe I'll talk about how I get into the industry first. Um, I came from Hong Kong and my parents asked me to just focus on having my business degree. So I had my undergrad in international business and I got my MBA and I thought I, I was on the way to have meaning in life, to make money. I also had my um, import-export business. 
And that was very nice. I didn't have to leave my home and I could just earn an income. But after a while, um, somehow my, my life become empty. Um, those things that I used to do for a living, um, didn't start, stop bringing meaning to my life. And so I was thinking about going into counseling. And somehow one night I was sitting looking through some programs where I was. Um, and I heard this un- inaudible voice telling me, why not chaplaincy? And I had no idea what a chaplain's supposed to be. I looked up and I'm like, what? And interesting enough, there is a, a university close to, to where I lived. Um, they offered a clinical ministry, a chaplaincy program. And the director of that program lived on the same street as I did. And so I asked him and a few days later, he just brought a packet. Um, application and everything and explain what that was to me. And I applied. They grilled me because I didn't have any pastoral background. Um, and after an hour, they said, okay, you're in. And the first day I, I sat in class, it was just a plain old, old Testament thought course. And I fell in love with the whole program since the first day. Everything was relevant. Everything was life changing. It, it brought meaning and, and as if I was supposed to be there in the beginning. So. That's how I started. Now, one of the things that I always like to say is that um, my grandfather, he was the first one who would say this. Just because a person is in a choir doesn't mean they can sing a solo. And what that applies for us, just because a person is a pastor does not mean they can be a chaplain. That there really Correct. is a calling to chaplaincy like you felt. Mm-hmm. And, and what do you feel is the difference between a traditional pastor and a chaplain like you were trained to be. Mm-hmm. Let, let's, let's first, um, share my observation, Terry. When, when, when I was working in the hospital, if I, if I said, well, I'm chaplain Angela coming into a room, 99% of the patients would not want to see me. Yeah. And, but if I was working at a church, I was a chaplain. I was telling my congregation that I was only a chaplain. They won't want to talk to me either. Yes. So everyone has its place and, and there's a time and a place for, for every, for every ministry. And so the chaplaincy ministry actually focuses on on meeting people where they are mm. and connecting them with God. We are not here to tell them which church to go to, which, which religion to, to go into, but walk with them and journey with them. However, that fits their spiritual life, give them meaning and purpose in life, oh, especially that, in crisis. That is just absolutely powerful. And um, one of the things I know that... Um, I was able to do just recently. I was in the hospital, and um, uh, one of the, uh, my chaplains came and visited me, wow. and I got a chance to experience exactly what you're saying. And he was able to bring my anxiety down. Mm. That he wasn't there for a religious debate to argue with me over mm. anything. He was just, "Hey, bro, you're not feeling well. Mm. Let's talk about how can I help you." Mm. And that just made such a, a difference in mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever um, had thoughts? of going into traditional pastoring before you made the decision to go into chaplaincy. I think being a chaplain is also a pastor. I, I, I think that um, we all are trained or God gives me a heart of a shepherd. So mm, I, I, like I consider that shepherding, you know, everywhere yes. I go. So, and I have an opportunity now to volunteer in my own church and to strengthen some of the muscles that I never really have have learned, especially having patients to talk with 
certain you know members, <laughs> <laughs> and so those are the things that you don't like happen you know in that. hospital, <laughs> right? So yeah, so um, I think I think the key is to have a heart of a shepherd, and then there, whoever God leads you to any ministry, you will thrive in any situation. Angela, I'm glad you brought that up. The need to have the heart of a shepherd. Over the years, I've listened to so many amazing public speakers who love the Lord, and they are great preachers, but they're incredibly poor shepherds, mm. and they have no desire whatsoever mm. to lead people on as much as share from the pulpit. I think you need to be wired a certain way from mm. God, and it doesn't matter where you might have started off industry or education-wise, but if you have a calling toward chaplaincy, I think God will provide that way for you, and he'll make it clear Angela Lee serves as the Adventist Health North American Division, Assistant Director of Chaplaincy in the West Coast region, and she sits next to Dr. Terry Johnson of Adventist Health. More with Angela and Dr. Terry next. I'm Mike Lee filling in on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to The Georgine Rice Show. Pinch hit in for Georgine. I'm Mike Lee with Dr. Terry Johnson of Adventist Health and Angela Lee, who serves as Adventist Health's North American Division Assistant of Chaplaincy. So let's back up a couple of steps, friends. I want to know... What's the layman's difference between being a chaplain and being a pastor? Because for my suburban Long Island, New York upbringing, when I think of chaplain, all I can picture is Father Mulcahy from the TV sitcom MASH. I have no <laughs> idea what the difference is. Well, that's a very good question. I think, I think both chaplains and pastors are called. And there is gifts that is given to, to minister in different settings. So for, for chaplains, I think we have to be able to be comfortable when people are telling us about things that are beyond our the- theological upbringing. Um, I have heard fa- patients telling me, Oh, you know, um, I have, I have a, um, a, baby here, but if he dies, you know, his soul will go into my next baby. So it doesn't matter which, uh, you know, baby I have, you know, um, the soul will continue to live. And you have to be able to withstand that and, and know, hey, let me take out the Bible and, and, and show you what is wrong and stuff like that. Um, another one, um, suicide. You know, when we minister to, to su- families with suicide, we are walking with them, we are empathizing with them, we are helping them to grieve and to express and find meaning in the loss um, and find strength again. So we are not there to tell people um, what is, according to, to our um, doctrines, this is how it goes. We work with the the people that are that God brought to us. With a pastor, I think they have to have a certain um, responsibility because they work within the church. Otherwise, they won't be able to call pastors. They have a responsibility to, to uphold certain doctrines from their denomination if they're hired. So there is a difference. What do you think, Terry? No, I, I so agree. I think you just hit it right on the head. And Angela, one of the things that I love, which I didn't know when I was just traditionally pastoring, is that there's training for chaplaincy. Mm-hmm. I thought prior to my training that, you know, hey, I just get a Bible, go to a room, very similar to what I would do to one of my members that was in the room. But I actually um, um, had to take a um, um, series of courses, almost on a master's level, uh, called Clinical Pastoral Education. 
And Angela, maybe you can mm-hmm. explain to people um, uh, what mm-hmm. what is CPE? What is clinical mm-hmm. pastoral education? Yeah, it's a very scary thing for <laughs> most um, students who had to go through you know the beginning of CPE. So I took four units of CPE. Each unit has four hundred clinical hours, and so we get together once a week with a, a few um, of classmates, and then we go through the cases that we that we um, have seen in the hospital, and they are. Normally, not to analyze um, the patients or how we care, but to come back and see what we have to unlearn in order to relearn, to minister to all to people from, from all walks of life, um, people that have religion backgrounds without religion background, people who are angry at God, people who doesn't believe in God, all aspects of life that we have to be comfortable with and connect with. And uh, that's specific training for that. And most pastors do not have mm-hmm. to have that training in order to um, minister to a congregation. But for chaplains, since we are part of a professional team in a hospital, we have to go through licensing and board certification and, and training just to be uh, able to minister or care for the patients in a very professional way. That's fascinating, Angela. Yes. So as opposed to being the pastor of a church, a chaplain in a business setting, whether that would be in a hospital or, say, an office setting, your audience is different. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what did you have to specifically unlearn Mm. when you started your CPE studies? For me personally, I have a very black and white mentality that God awards, rewards, or God punishes or there's certain um, belief that that is within our church that we have to hold on to dearly. Um, those things are, may work or may not even work for for um, you know uh, a believer. But and l- learning that we can go beyond that limit and put and ex- and actually um, stretch God outside the box again, um, and and free our boundaries of thinking how how God is limited by our own thinking. That is the part that I have to mm. um, unlearn. Mm. That I am safe to minister to to anyone, um, however creative God has given me, you know, to do for that setting and not worry about, oh, am I on a slippery slope? Am I still um, mm. a minister? Am I, you know, a, a not a Christian? I don't, I don't even... It doesn't matter to me now whether I'm really being called a Christian or not. I'm just a follower of Jesus, and I just want to spread God's love. And however it comes, whatever form it, that I could think of at that point that is effective for that person, that's how I carry myself these days. So it is possible for Christians, for Christ followers, to be able to serve in such a chaplaincy position without feeling the need to beat someone over the head with the Bible and say, my way or the highway, or your theology is off, or you need to do this or do this. You can still show love and compassion and counsel, can't you? Yes, you can, because that's the last thing you want, that you're sick on your back, not feeling good. Um, Doctors are using all these crazy terms. You're hearing machines beep, and people are coming and checking your blood, and then someone comes in, what do you believe? And that is this no. (laughs) That is not the time or the place. In fact, what we want to do is to be able to help the healing process. And so to be able to calm that down, I think one of the things, um, Angela and Mike, I had to learn that was hard for me uh, was the ministry of presence. Uh, Learning to not talk. and, and, And those who know me, that was a very hard thing. I got in trouble so many times from my supervisors because I felt I had to say stuff. 
and I would go into a room and, um, you know, I would get nervous because I'm wondering, I just start talking and, and that wasn't, wasn't, that was not needed for the patient. In fact, one of the letters that I have, um, in my office, I'm probably most proud of is that I went into a patient's room and I asked the patient, would spiritual care be important to you at this time? And the patient said no. And for whatever reason, I felt like I wasn't supposed to leave the room. And so I simply asked the patient, would it be okay if I just simply sit in a chair over here and uh, um, I won't say anything or anything? I'm just going to just sit here for a few moments. Would that be okay? And he looked at me and said, I, I, I guess. And so I sat in the chair there and... um all of a sudden, the patient goes to sleep. I mean, a deep sleep. And from five minutes later, I leave. Nothing. Didn't think anything else of it. All of a sudden, I get a phone call uh, to go to the president's office. And the reason is that if you have a complaint where our hospital lease, it goes to the president's office. It can get routed up that way. And so um, this was a couple of days later. So anyway, I go into the president's office thinking I'm in trouble. What happened? And they just wanted to let me know that the father, the son of the father that was in the hospital had called to thank us because his dad had not slept in almost four days there at the hospital. He was so worked up. They had even given, had even given him medicine for sleep and nothing seemed to work. And he says, I just want to know who came in that room because he felt so comfortable with that person there that in four days he drifted off to sleep. And um, and there was me thinking in the old days, I would have to go in, talk to him, make him believe. No, it was just having that presence in the room was the medicine that he needed. And so that's a, a gift that we can also uh, bring to the table. Chaplaincy and spiritual care aren't the first things on most people's agenda when they think of education or career someday. But when we return, let's hear more about them from Angela Lee, Assistant Director for Chaplaincy, and as heard on 104.1 The Fish, our old pal, Dr. Terry Lyndon Johnson of Adventist Health. This is Mike Lee filling in on The Georgine Wright Show, and when we return, more with Angela Lee and Dr. Terry Johnson. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show with Mike Lee filling in for Georgine alongside Dr. Terry Johnson of Adventist Health. And he's brought to us the assistant director for chaplaincy, Angela Lee, who left one career path to end up in chaplaincy and spiritual care. So I want to backtrack with you, Angela L.I. Lee, as opposed to Mike L.E.E. Lee, but as another Asian (laughs) growing up with Protestant work ethic and Asian work ethic and death before Mm. dishonor and all of that which comes with us culturally, I want to ask you, when did your faith become your own? When did you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior in the first place? Yeah, that's a very beautiful question. I was born into a, a Christian family. Where I grew up in Hong Kong, it is very interesting. It's a very diverse city. So on one end of our street, you can see a Catholic church on one end. And then the other end, you have ancestor worshiping with people burning paper cars and and dolls to their dead fathers or mothers or siblings. And so I grew up in in a way that um, anything goes with religion. However people um, connect to God, um, it's very natural for me to see. But my parents were very, um, especially my mom, very um, conservative Christian. And so I I remember connecting 
um, to God in a very age, young age, about four or five, that I one time was sleeping under a tree. When I woke up, I saw the lights infiltrating um, among the leaves, and I just found God there. And since then, I was connected to God. I always like to go to churches, just when, even when they're closed. I like to sit by the stairs um, and and just be close to a church. But then, when I started doing some baptismal studies with the pastors back there in, in Hong Kong, um, I had to say that I all, all of a sudden I found a lot of um, burdens that are unnecessary for my spiritual growth. Um, there are a lot of do's and don'ts that um, is very unreasonable to me as a teenager, you know, having, having to understand what, you know, why I have to I'll do all those in order to call to be called um, a Christian. And so I was disappointed and I got discouraged and I really did not want to have anything to do with God for mm. about, I would say, almost 10 years of my life. And um, I was just trying to be a normal kid, just like my classmates in, my, in a public school. I, thought, I felt that I was very abnormal and I have a very super big burden to convert all my classmates because I was told that in order to to go to heaven, everyone has to believe in God. And most of my classmates were not Christians. So I had a huge burden and I didn't know how to do it. And I, and I didn't want to be weird, you know, being a teenager, you want to fit in and feel belong. So all those things kind of complicated my spiritual life until I moved over here to, to the U.S. Um, I remember I was mm, 19 and I was so lonely. I All my friends were were left back in Hong Kong. My grandmother, which I loved the, the most, she was in Hong Kong. I came with my family, just my two siblings and my parents. I didn't know anyone. And I remember one night I was sitting in my car crying. I knew that that was the um, deepest uh, valley I've ever been mm. to. I cried and I said, God, you have to rescue me. I am very, very, very sad. Um, I have no friends here. I have no community. I don't know what to do. Um, I might, I have not think of, thought about ending my life, but, but that was the despair that I felt that I was mm. very alone. And so after that, God had somehow led me to a group of young adults in Loma Linda, where I used to live. And there I found a different way of living. I found that I have the inspiration or the motivation to read the Bible again. So I read from Genesis to, to Revelation in one, almost in one setting, like <laughs> nonstop. Whenever I got a chance, I, I did it. Um, and then, especially when I started going to Revelation, um, there is a whole picture of God's love that was, that I felt and that was presented to me. And since then, I reread the four Gospels one more time, and I felt that the, the imprint of Jesus' love it's very deep. I now I cannot live without that. And since then, um, I have been asking God if I could serve God in a in a bigger way. And for for the first few years of my twenties, I kept hearing God saying, "Well, just get some training. Just be prepared. Your time will come, but not yet." Mm. And so after I got married with kids, I went back to school. You know, after I started my chaplaincy program. Then I felt that, you know, I am ready to really serve God in a bigger way. And since then, I'm, I'm just chasing God every single step of the way. He's just been leading me to different places and I just, you know, keep following. And it's been a fun journey since then. Oh, and one of the things um, about Angela's journey that I get so inspired about 
is that um, here she went from not want, knowing what God wanted her to do to now lead out in all of the chaplaincies in this particular denomination in the entire West Coast. And it just, just inspires me. This shows what the power of God can do. And uh, uh, it's just, and, and, and there's literally, how, how many chaplains do you, do you lead out with? About, I know we're, we're a small number in Portland, but. About 210. 210. What, 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 what a calling and what a privilege. And so, Mike, that's what inspires me to see how God, God can do that. What an amazing story, Angela. So I want to ask you, how did your family take it when you came home one day and said, oh, by the way, I'm completely switching career paths here and I'm going to study to become a chaplain? How did they receive that? Did they understand the concept? Great question. My parents were shocked because they always wanted me to be in business. Their dream for me was to marry a businessman so I can fly all over the world. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, for my husband, I think he saw my um, passion all along. And when, while we were dating, we dated for five years. Most of our conversations were around theology, honestly. Um, <laughs> we talked about who God is to him, to me. Um, how God has been leading and, and all kinds of questions that we normally don't, do not even get to ask as a, as a nation because we're supposed to just learn and, and obey and follow with, with Christianity, um, combined with, um, the traditional Asian philosophy, Confucianism is a very tight lock for, with obligation and, and, um, obedience. I don't know if you agree, Mike. So, so it that was very works oriented unfortunately and i don't believe that it's necessarily a bad thing to have a strong work ethic if, if the bible indeed tells us to do everything with a heart mind soul and strength i think that ought to include the things we don't necessarily want to do when it comes to education and classes we might not want to take but we're forced to mm-hmm. and in your case you ended up switching careers as a result mm-hmm. so where had you met your husband in the first place angela lee um it was from that church one of the young adults um, that were in the group, um, he took interest in me, and at first I thought he was just very boring. But um, <laughs> but I guess I need a rock in my life because I'm like a kite. I fly all over the place, and I need someone to hold on to the string so that I just don't fly away. Um, so, yeah. So your parents wanted you to marry a businessman and fly all over the world. Now, you are flying at least up and down the West Coast yes. in your job as assistant director for chaplaincy. So what does your husband do career-wise? He's a dentist. So he just just moved up uh, to to Roseville area from, from so- SoCal and um, because of me. So he's... That, that, is that Roseville, California? Yeah, yeah. That's a lovely area. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So he's, he's a keeper. Good for you. Holding on to the string as you fly. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I think God's got the ultimate sense of humor. How many yes. times do these slap couples together where one's weakness is the opposite's strength? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm Mike Lee in for Georgine, and we are going to hear more from Dr. Terry Johnson from Adventist Health and Angela Lee from Adventist Health's North American Division. She serves as Assistant Director for Chaplaincy in the West Coast region for Adventist Health's North American Division, and you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Thanks so much for joining us on The Georgine Rice Show. Filling in for Georgine, I'm Mike Lee, alongside Dr. Terry Johnson of Adventist Health. 
And from Adventist Health's North American Division, Angela Lee, who serves as Assistant Director for Chaplaincy in the West Coast region. People who remember Dr. Terry Johnson's story will know that he was serving as a presidential honor guard for three different U.S. presidents. So what did it take in your life for you to discover that you were good at bedside, Terry? When did you figure that out? Well, it's the same story that Angela said, that her uh, been in business and different things, but there was still something inside of you that you felt that you you just weren't settled like a like a pebble in your shoe. That's the way I can describe it, that, yeah, I can walk, I can do it. It's just not something's not. And so when I made a decision to resign from the White House, um, um, it shocked everyone because in good standings, three president recommendations. Uh, and, and for me at that time, it was to become a youth pastor and never thought in a 100,000 years, you know, that um, I um would leave the White House and become a youth pastor. But um, that was just my calling at that time, that I really had a gift um, uh, for helping young people. And the Lord blessed us. Our youth group went from um, attendance of a hundred and uh, around 105 to over 500 kids um, every weekend. And um, it was just a blessing in the D.C. area to be able to do that. And then there was someone who saw a giftedness in me, uh, when I was a youth pastor, her name was Beulah Stevens. In fact, Angela and I were just seeing a picture of uh, her the other day, one of the first female directors of a chaplaincy program. And Beulah just pointed out to me that, Terry, you need to get chaplaincy training. So she invited me to be a volunteer chaplain and then an on-call chaplain, our per diem. And then from there, um, she encouraged me to do a clinical pastoral education and because uh, she saw that giftedness inside of me of, of being able to to listen. I didn't see it in me, but she was able to see that. But it, once again, it's the same story that Angela said, just that calling. We just feel it. We just feel this is what we're called to do. So in the busyness of life, how do you decide and confirm something is an actual calling from God versus what we want in our flesh? And how do you supplant the wrong voice that are trying to speak into your life? That's a big question, Mike, a very big question. Angela, you want to take a swing at it? (laughs) Well, I think sometimes we need to have that clarity. And that clarity does not come if we don't know who we are. A lot Mm. of times we do not have a chance to to really know ourselves. Mm. We listen to our parents, our teachers, our mentors. They tell us what you're good at. Like my parents, they told me that you are good at business. Keep doing it. (laughs) But... um, if we have, we given a little, if, even if we don't give a little chance to a space for us to discern who we are, we need to fight for that, that space to really know who we are, to spend time with our, ourselves and talk to people that you trust. Like, Hey, you know, how do you see the, what, what do you see in me? You know, and then maybe exchange and, and help other people to discover themselves as well. So once you know who you are, that's the first step. Then you have a little bit more clarity of what you want to do. And and sometimes listening to people is helpful, but sometimes it's not helpful, depending if they have the best interest in you or they have the best interest agenda for themselves. That's a great point, Angela, great point. that truly knowing your identity grants you clarity, and that clarity will lead you to your calling. Yes. And the Bible talks about getting counsel from a multitude of people, and that's a good thing. And I also want to emphasize that God's calling in your life is never going to go against his word. He's never going to contradict himself. He's never going to tell you to do something that the Bible tells you the opposite of. So if you've got that 
confusion in your head. Or worse, if someone's telling you that, and even worse still, if you're hearing that from a pulpit, you cannot turn and run far away enough. <laughs> because seek God's truth. When yeah. you seek him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you will find him. Mm. So uh, mm-hmm. I want to thank you for sharing that insight sure. with us all, Angela. So what's the difference? What's the importance of being a chaplain versus the need for pastors or social workers? Um, like I say, it's it's uh, the training. It's something that really honestly makes the difference. We know that uh, God um, uh, can give us that heart, but then he can also give us that desire to uh, want to go and to be trained to be able to do it even better. And he provides opportunity for that. And I know that um because I've had the privilege of of being a traditional pastor even here in the city of Portland um for five years and then um being on the other side of a, a chaplain and like I said we're all in ministry together I don't want to confuse that at all it's all ministry all of it uh but with the training of uh, chaplaincy is I'm able to go a little bit deeper. Uh, with the patient, because in reality, the average patient is they're dealing with anxiety. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. You're hearing all these strange noises and all this stuff. And if someone can come into the room um, um, with the spiritual guidance and I'm trained properly, I'm able to help bring some of that anxiety down. And there are studies that show that patients um, heal faster. Um, they uh, get out of the hospital faster. Um, if if that's something they feel is important and a chaplain, then it's provided to them. Uh, the science is so much behind that. If we had more time, we would talk about the whole ministry of prayer that I have um, even some doctors at my um, institution who wouldn't consider themselves Christian, but they can't deny that when prayer is involved, uh, there seems to be a difference with their patients. Let's make that our next interview, Terry. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to leave that point hanging. But I want to thank you both so much, Angela Lee and Dr. Terry Johnson, for what you shared today about your experiences in chaplaincy and in spiritual care. And finally, I want to ask you this, whether it's a chaplain, a pastor, a social worker, someone hosting a community group, a youth group volunteer, how do you turn it off? How do you leave other people's problems behind? Because you see so many people, you talk with so many people, many of whom are dying or losing a loved one or are ill or are financially strapped. How do you turn that off and just be Angela or just be Terry when you're off the clock? Well, she's also a professor on top of everything else. And so professor, teacher, I'll let you answer that one. (laughs) Well, I think throughout the uh, clinical pastoral training, um, we are mandated to know how to find tools and uh, ways to disconnect. So how I did it in the beginning was I I would be wearing a badge going into the hospital, and when I take off my badge, that's it, that I'm normal Angela again, and uh, I don't bring even anxiety um, to the to to home because otherwise, if I have seen so many car accidents and have teenagers um, got killed in the car accident, I would never let my kids drive. <laughs> Right. So mm. so you have to turn it off knowing that at hospital or, or any other places, you know, is a concentration of the issues. And then when we come back into real life, we can relax a little bit. But that takes um, uh, mindfulness. That takes uh, awareness that uh, we have to be intentional to do that. And once a week, the, the, the least once a week, uh, one day out of seven days, I have to disconnect. I have to yeah. recharge. And that's what I call a day of special rest. Yes. 
So important. And I love the way she just said that because it's kind of like um, you don't see Superman walking around with his cape on all the time. That there's times that he needs to be um, Clark Kent and just, but when he puts on his Superman clothes, he goes and he does what he has to do. And then, boom, I love that illustration. I will not forget that. Well, if God Almighty himself took one day out of seven to rest, to have a Sabbath, who are we to think that we can go 24-7, 365 days a year nonstop and get away with it without having needs? So thank you so much for sharing all about chaplaincy and spiritual care and your personal walks. So on the way out, is there anyone you want to say hi to or send a shout out to Angela Lee? Well, I just want to thank my family, my husband, Ken, my two kids, Ryan and Megan. Um, They are my supporters. They allowed me to share myself with the community, and I really thank them. And I want to just add to this that if there's anyone out there, um, especially here in the Portland area, that um, this conversation just has struck something in your heart that, you know, I I feel like I'm feeling a little bit of that calling for chaplaincy. Uh, we would love to be able to give you more information. In fact, our hospital has a uh, training center um, here, um, and so we're willing to just give more information out to you for that. And so what I would invite you to do is simply go to the FISH's website. That's thefishportland.com, thefishportland.com. And just simply uh, send a message to Pastor Terry that you just want more information on chaplaincy, and then I will um, get that information to you. And with this age of Zoom and Zip and all this stuff. Uh, there's some great online programs out there, too. We would love to be able to get you connected with. And let me add to Terry's invitation that it doesn't matter how old you are. There are certainly some students who have had careers in their past that have moved on and up to the chaplaincy position later on in life. And that's OK. If you're called to do it, God will empower you to excel yes. for him. So thank you so much, Dr. Terry Johnson from Adventist Health. And Adventist Health's North American Division Assistant Director for Chaplaincy in the West Coast region, Angela Lee. Deborah Klein hosts the Voice of First Nation Ministries, and she also serves as President of First Nation Ministries. Deborah Klein next. I'm Mike Lee, sitting in on the Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. This is the Georgine Wright Show. I'm Mike Lee, sitting in for Georgine with Deborah Klein, a decades-long friend of our stations. She currently serves as the president of First Nation Ministries, in addition to being the host of The Voice of First Nation Ministries, which also includes classic messages from her late father, the Reverend Don Klein. They are Christians who care about First Americans Heard weeknights at 6 on True Talk 100 and weekday afternoons at 1 on 93.9 KPDQ. So welcome, Deborah Klein. How are you today, sister? I am well, Mike. Thank you for having me. Our very special guest in the studio today is a decades-long friend of our stations. She currently serves as the president of First Nation Ministries, in addition to being the host of The Voice of First Nation Ministries, which also includes classic messages from her late father, the Reverend Don Klein. They are Christians who care about First Americans. So welcome, Deborah Klein. How are you today, sister? I am well, Mike. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. And just as a reminder, First Nation Ministries isn't just a ministry. It's not simply a radio program, but also 
it's a church. So correct me if I'm wrong, Deborah. Doesn't that mean that your contributions, especially those appreciated at the end of the year, are tax deductible? That's correct. Okay, that's that's good to know. And I'll make sure that I'll put the pertinent information on the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. But what I want you to do is take a peek at the website, firstnationministries.org. That's firstnationministries.org. And if you'd like to correspond with Deborah, you can email her at mail at firstnationministries.org, or you can call the main number, 503 477 6077. That's 503-477-6077. So, Deborah, the voice of First Nation Ministries and the current teachings from you and the classic messages from your late father have been on the air for so very long, and they have become a staple of what our Christian teaching and talk stations do. So thank you so much for the sacrifices that you as a ministry, you as a family, and you as an individual have made to just inspire others and let them know what First Americans need. So it's it's really been quite a ride for you, hasn't it? It has. It's been an unexpected ride. I, I never expected to be in this position. But, you know, God has a plan for all of our lives, and sometimes we will go to Nineveh whether we want to or not. <laughs> Whether we whether we think it's the right thing or whether we expect it to or not, he works out his plans for our lives. Well, that's so. for sure. So what's going on right now that we ought to know about what you're doing to help out First Americans through First Nation Ministries? Where are your greatest triumphs? But also, what are your greatest needs? Where do you need the most help? Well, I'll tell you, COVID really threw us a loop. Um, Native people are very suspicious of the government, and rightly so. They would not take the shots. And so COVID was rampant on the reservations, and they would shut down, open, shut down, open, depending on how many sick people they had. So it made it very hard for us to plan trips, because if you take a long trip and get back there and then they close the reservation, what do you do? So... um and then we lost our driver, and we lost a board member. So it, it just really kind of threw us for a loop. And, and I felt like we were just sitting doing nothing. And I said, Lord, you know, this is your ministry. I don't mean to tell you what to do, but what are we doing? Because it seems like we're doing nothing. And then opportunities began to open up where we could help just with money. I got a call. I hate to ask you, Deborah. I just hate calling you, but my well caved in. Can you help me? We have no water. So, you know, I the mission paid to put in a new well. And then, uh, then you know, my, our sewer collapsed. Can you help us put in a new sewer? Um, well, I need dentures, but I can't afford them. Sent money so that one of the native pastors could have a new set of teeth. What have you been doing lately, Pastor? Out on the res, and well, not much. The engine blew in my truck, and you know I don't have the money to repair. Well, how much is it? Send him the money, rebuilt the engine so that he has a vehicle to travel. Just, just opportunities like that, and it's like, okay, Lord, you know, thank you. I, I don't understand, 
because it, it feels like, you know, physically, work-wise, we're not doing anything, but we are meeting a need for these people. So I don't know. God has seasons, you know, that that begin and end and something else will start up. And so I'm just, I'm just trusting him and trying to follow his lead, even though I don't fully understand. And you're kind of flying without a net here, Deb, yeah. because the precedent was not set when your dad was still at his peak and no. serving First Americans with furniture and food and you mm-hmm. name it, the things that we so easily take for granted. Right now, you were just mentioning things like a sewer or mm-hmm. plumbing or a well, mm-hmm. and it really makes you want to take pause and thank God for the everyday occurrences that we just take for granted, mm-hmm. the conveniences, running water, yes, bathrooms. Yeah, yeah. This little lady is up in her 80s and was hauling water to her house every day in buckets. You know, and, and you, have to, you have to picture the reservation. The roads are dirt, clay mixture, and they're awful. When it's wet, they get huge ruts. Cars are ruined on these roads because they're so rutted. And that's where, you know, she lives. And, and then, you know, gang activity and drug activity has increased just like everywhere else. And so um, some of these people are being robbed of the little they do have. And uh, the pastor up at Warm Springs, he's had his his house broken into a couple of times when they've been out and, you know. Are these crimes of convenience? These people don't have much to start with, Deborah. I wouldn't think that they would be good robbery prospects, not that I would know much about that. Well, you can steal the car or you can steal if they have a television set or just anything that can be turned around for cash. Um you know, there's still natives that make quilts that are very valuable. You know, if you go to buy one like on online, you'll pay four five hundred dollars for one, a star quilt that is native made. Uh a lot of them bead jewelry and things and you know, that can be stolen and uh sometimes it's just furniture. I had a gal on the Pine Ridge tell me that on Thanksgiving when she was with her family Somebody broke into her home and took everything except the chairs, took all her furniture, her television, you know, just anything they can turn around for cash or drugs. That's just horrible, Deborah. It is. It's discouraging. Would you say that the aversion to mainstream society and law enforcement that many Native Americans have makes them even easier targets? Well, on reservations, of course, they have they have native police force. The only uh, the only law enforcement that has authority on a reservation is the FBI. Uh, so, I don't know. I I, th- I think we are in a time when people are just in rebellion against authority in general, and so whether it's a native police or whether you know it's our city police or whatever. There's rebellion against that. Nobody wants to be told what to do, and people just seem to be angry and and feeling like they have rights that haven't been met. And you know, we're, we're it's a mess. 
everywhere. But thankfully, Deborah Klein, the president of First Nation Ministries, is helping to bridge that gap and help people out and make a difference. And you can contribute at firstnationministries.org, email Deb at mail at firstnationministries.org, and give them a call. See how you can help them help Native Americans at 503-477-6077. That's 503-477-6077. Don't miss the voice of First Nation Ministries, weekdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 KPDQ and weeknights at 6 on True Talk 800. I'm Mike Lee filling in for Georgine Rice on The Georgine Rice Show. More with Deborah Klein next. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to the Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee in for Georgine with the president of First Nation Ministries. Don't miss the voice of First Nation Ministries weekdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 KPDQ and weeknights at 6 on True Talk 800. So, Deborah Klein, you've really changed gears with First Nation Ministries since COVID has hit. So has that been physically easier on you? Because you've done so many big projects over the years. I would like to think that perhaps at times financing can serve an even greater impact than the many supplies that you brought to the Native Americans over the years. That's true. I don't know if it's easier. It's just different. I do a lot of work from home now because we were kind of, you know, I work with people that didn't want to get the vaccine, and I'm fine with that. I did get the vaccine, you know, and I know people have opinions about that. I think we were all doing, trying to do the best we knew how to do under the circumstances, but, uh, you know, we, we kind of stayed away from each other, and so I started working, because a lot of my work is just on the computer, and uh, I started working from home, and and frankly, yeah, that's easier. <laughs> You know, then going into the, the warehouse office, it's kind of cold there. But And there's no shame in that either. No, I'm an old woman, so I'm not ashamed of that at all. There are times that I wonder, am I trying to do so many things on my own that God is not calling me to do? So when I meet my maker someday, is it going to say, I never told you to go on YouTube for hours to figure out how to fix a washing machine. I would have supplied a different <laughs> one for you, brand new, and it would have worked better. <laughs> I really wonder about those things sometimes. but So right now, finances seem to be where First Nation Ministries is being most effective in helping out Native Americans. It is. It is. Um, you know, we, we buy product from a, a national distributor down in California. They have to donate a percentage of what they get from the grocery stores and the drug stores. And so we just basically have to pay for shipping and then we try to pay all our bills out of that money so that any money that's donated by our teammates can go directly to field work. And so, you know, those wells and those dentures and truck repair and whatever, that, that's paid for by our teammates, uh, which I'm really pleased. My father never knew that luxury. I remember working with my dad and money was scarce. I remember borrowing on my credit card to, to meet payroll uh, when I worked with my dad. And so God has blessed us with uh, these goods that we can sell. And, you know, we donate some of it, but then we sell just enough to cover our overhead. 
And I'm thankful for that because I certainly don't want donation money from our teammates going to meet our overhead. And I'm really thankful, and God has been very gracious to us. But it's a it's a, always a changing thing, too. Um, there's a list you have to be on to be able to receive from the distributor. And uh, right now we're at the top of the list. I thank God for that. But uh, it looks like groceries may be going away, and it could be that we're going to be getting uh, a couple of other large retailers that if I said their names, you would recognize them. But it's, you know, I I don't understand the reason for that, but I, I trust God so completely. You know, I've started reading the Message Bible, and I don't know, I'm a little bit leery of all these new translations, but I think I think the Message is really good. I have found nothing in it that really I can quibble with, but in Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best, and your barns will burst. Your wine vats will uh, overflow. I trust in that, and that's what I try to do. Lord, just make it clear to me, and I'll I'll obey you. And I try to listen for his voice, that little, the old-timers used to call it the unction, uh, that little feeling that you have that, oh, this is the way I should go. This is what I need to do. And uh, it hasn't failed me. You know, God has just... Thus far, hath hitherto hath the Lord helped us, Ebenezer. You know, that's that's kind of my motto. <laughs> so I just I I just trust the Lord. Because I don't know, I'm not smart enough to know how to make this thing work. But he he weaves and bobs and takes us where he wants it to be and and there's always an opening in that new direction. So what does the Bible tell us? That man plans, but God directs. That's right. I'll argue, Deborah Klein, that your faithfulness to God's calling and your obedience to him, even when it's outside of your natural comfort zone mm-hmm. and your skill set, mm-hmm. has led to First Nation Ministries being able to help out so being able to help out so many people in so many different ways over the years. Another thing I want to tell you, Mike, is, you know, sometimes when I was handing out this money, um, it's just like one of the pastors lost his son right before Thanksgiving. No money for a funeral. Funerals are expensive. And and I said, you know, I feel that we're to pay this for you and tell me how much. And when he told me the price, I nearly fainted. I thought, oh, Lord, I've made a mistake because they had to buy a plot and it had to have lining so that moisture didn't get in, all this expensive stuff. It was a lot of money. And I said, Lord, have I made a mistake? And again, back to Proverbs 3, verse 27. Never walk away from somebody who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor, maybe some other time, or try me tomorrow when the money's right there in your pocket. And that was, you know, that just let me know that what I was doing was what God wanted me to do because he had given me the finances that I could help this family. They were going to have to put it on a credit card. 
and it would have taken years to pay it off for him. It's bad enough they lost yes. a beloved family member, yes. and you prevented that from happening. You know what? You're a superhero to me, Deborah Klein. Oh. You are the Bailey Brothers building and loan. It's a wonderful <laughs> life. Yeah, You've given what you've had in the hand, and eventually God replaced that and allowed you to serve more people. So thank you for all you do. Well, it's my pleasure, and I, I am not a hero, Mike. I am, I'm really not. I'm just an obedient servant. I'm trying my best to be obedient. And the rewards, I cannot tell you the joy of giving, and I'm learning this in my 70s. So I encourage people, don't be shy about giving, whether it's to the Lord or to somebody that he lays on your heart that you need to help because the joy that you will have is better than probably the joy they feel at getting your help. And God, you can never outgive God. My dad used to say, he won't be indebted to anyone. He will make it up to you. Plus, plus some. Deborah Klein is the president of first nation ministries. She is carrying on the mission founded by her late father, the Reverend Don Klein, and you could hear her on The Voice of First Nation Ministries on 93.9 KPDQ. And here's how to help out. You can call the main number at 503-477-6077. Check out the website firstnationministries.org and email Deb directly at mail at firstnationministries.org. Listen to the voice of First Nation Ministries weeknights at 6 on True Talk 800 and weekday afternoons at 1 on 93.9 KPDQ. More with Deborah Klein next. I'm Mike Lee filling in on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Filling in for Georgine, I'm Mike Lee. And Deborah Klein serves as the president of First Nation Ministries. She also co-hosts the radio ministry on True Talk 800, heard weeknights at 6 and weekday afternoons at 1 on 93.9 KPDQ, which includes not only current content of what's going on today, but also some classic messages from her late father, the Reverend Don Klein. So now that times are what they are, Deborah, can you tell us how our Native American friends are seeing society as a whole? Well... People that live on the reservation, I think a lot of times that is their world, what's going on in the reservation. And it's it's going a little crazy just like the rest of our society. It's like what what is going on? It's it's I have people come into the office and say, they're just astounded at where our country is. Who would have ever thought that we would be where we are now, where we're saying we need to get rid of the police and, and you know, people running out of stores with handfuls of goods that they're stealing and nobody tries to stop them. It's crazy. And I live in what's known as the Hazelwood area of Portland. Uh, it's, it's the condos. That's another thing. I have to, I have to go down a side trail here. You know, I never, ever believed I would be a homeowner. I didn't have the money, um, really didn't have the way to get enough money to buy a home. But see, I went, I moved in with my parents and took care of them 
And when they died, they left me the condominium. And it's in an old folks condominium, which is great. I mean, I have hand hand bars for everything in there. (laughs) It's made for older people. People, you well, know, that's convenient. It was set up for them, but you yes. reap the benefits of it. Yeah, and so here I am. Who would have thunk a homeowner? But it's in the Hazelwood area of Portland, and according to the news, it is the most violent, gun-ridden area of Portland. Which I believe, uh, if if you hear the news, 122nd Hall, uh, Stark, 122nd Burnside, there's always shootings. I hear gunfire every night at my house, and now people are getting shot at one in the afternoon, five in the afternoon, uh, and it's and so it's crazy. And and sometimes, you know, I think in my human self, I think, oh my goodness, do I need to try to get out of here? But where would I go? Who can afford housing in Portland anymore? And if you rent, you're at the mercy of your landlord if they decide to raise. You know, and we, we make bare minimum money. My wages at First Nation Ministries are just the minimum. And so it's like, you know, and here I am. My sister-in-law lives with me, which I'm I'm grateful for that. I was able to help her. She needed a place to live. And I found, interestingly, it's so nice to have someone to talk to and to talk about the Lord with. Uh, so, so God just worked that out, and it's like, do we need to be afraid? And again, the message Bible, uh, Proverbs three twenty one. Dear friend, guard clear thinking and common sense with your life. Don't for a minute lose sight of them. They'll keep your soul alive and well. They'll keep you fit and attractive. You'll travel safely. You'll neither tire nor trip. You'll take afternoon naps without a worry, and you'll enjoy a good night's sleep. No need to panic over alarms or surprises or predictions that doomsday is just around the corner, because God will be right there with you, and he'll keep you safe and sound. And that was just, you know, I always believed that God would protect me. I prayed for his protection. But this was just confirmation that no matter where he has placed us, we can rest in him, and we do. My sister-in-law and I, we, we do not feel fear. We, we hear gunshots, and oh, there, there's one. That sounded pretty close. But we have no fear living there, and people that live around us know that we're in the ministry, and so we have opportunity to try to be Christ to them live like Christ. So, you know, we may be the only Bible some of those people read. And so it's it's a little mission field right there. And I, I would just encourage everyone that's listening, wherever you're located or whatever the future looks like, don't be afraid. God is still in control. And he's in control not only of world events, uh, he's in control of world leaders and activities that go on on earth. He's still in control. He's still on the throne. And even where you live, what's going on in your personal life or your circumstances, you can trust him. You can trust him to take care of you. It said in his word, he promised he would, and he cannot lie. And so we can rest. And that's God wants us to live in joy 
and in rest. And sometimes I think we get all all in a knot trying to, well, I need to work harder, I need to do that. Well, you need to rest. God doesn't want us living under pressure. You know, we, we need to have joy in the work that we're doing, joy in the life that he's given us, and be able to rest in him. And and that's that's my Christmas message to everyone that's listening, that I, I hope in this Christmas season and in the coming new year, that no matter what it looks like out in the world and what, what it looks like in your neighborhood or on the world stage, you can rest and have joy in him because he came to save us. So eternally we're, we're saved, we're, we're, we're secure. And in this life, uh, we're safe. No matter what happens, even if you do have trouble, which the Bible says Christians are going to have trouble, but he'll make a way for us always. And so we don't need to worry because he doesn't want us to live in worry. He wants us to rest and have joy. I wish everyone joy this Christmas season and rest in the new year. And I'm sure, like myself, the vast majority of us will be happy to receive that Mm -hmm. joy. So thank you for your insights, Deborah Klein. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about rest also. Falsely, I used to believe that I can go longer than everyone else can. I don't need the same number of hours of sleep that the average person does. And then I think to myself, well, how ineffective am I on those days where I'm only getting a few hours of sleep because I stayed up later to do Mm -hmm. work around the house? And then it kind of snowballs in a bad way. And then I think to myself, well, if God Almighty, our benevolent creator himself, took off one day out of seven to rest, mm-hmm. who are we to think that mm-hmm. we can get away otherwise? And it's just it's mm-hmm. a, a recipe for disaster to refuse to rest. Mm-hmm. And especially in today's world where, where we have this 24-7 news feed coming at us. It's and stress it's and it's pressure. Quicker to show yes. the bad yes. than the good. Yes. It's draining. It is. So we do need to rest. It is. So. Not only physically, uh, because the body can only restore itself when you sleep. And right here, I read you scripture that talks about taking a nap. And the older you get, you'll understand that better. But also the mental rest. There's a mental rest that we can have in Christ, even even when we're busy with our job or busy at home or busy with kids, uh, whatever it is, we can still have mental rest knowing that our strength comes from the Lord and, uh, and that he'll make a way. And all we have to do is be obedient to him. His gifts are so wonderful that once you experience his peace and his joy and his rest, you won't be able to live without it. It's the best drug around, I'm telling you. I'm I'm absolutely hooked. Once I discovered his peace in my life, I will not live without peace in my home. You know, that's something I guard and his rest in my mind and, and his joy in my heart. Gotta have it. The Voice of First Nation Ministries airs weeknights at 6 on True Talk at 100 and weekday afternoons at 1 on 93.9 KPDQ.
Dipper Klein serves as president of First Nation Ministries. I'm Mike Lee, sitting in for Georgine. More with Deb Klein next on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Thank you so much for joining us on The Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee. Georgine has the day off. The Voice of First Nation Ministries airs weeknights at 6 on True Talk 800 and also weekday afternoons at 1 on 93.9 KPDQ. Deborah Klein is the host, and she also serves as president of First Nation Ministries, Christians Who Care About First Americans. I just want to thank you for your obedience to the Lord and not being afraid to step out of your comfort zone. So if you are able to give any words of advice or wisdom to anyone who might be feeling a prompting or a calling from the Lord that's totally out of left field that they hadn't expected as you've gone through multiple times, what would you say? Well, first of all, I would say it's not easy because my struggle was, is this the voice of the Lord or am I just, you know, trying to come up with some plan myself? So how did you figure that out and confirm it to yourself? I am still figuring it out. And and I, I, first of all, I pray and I say, Lord, if this isn't from you, help me feel a check in my spirit. Help me feel a doubt uh, that's beyond just normal doubt, something that makes me want to put on the brakes. And then I read the scripture. Am I reading anything in the scripture that would contradict what I feel that I need to do? And then you just have to take a step. You just have to begin. And sometimes uh, it goes down the drain immediately. And sometimes it looks like it's going on down the drain and you just keep on. Sometimes there's a testing time. I've been through that with finances. You know, I gave up my entire savings account, my retirement fund, to pay bills. Ironically, to KPDQ. Isn't that funny? <laughs> when Dad was on the radio and, and we had no money. And so I said, well, I'll cash out my retirement fund. And I was scared to death. That's all I had in the world was that retirement fund from driving school bus for David Douglas for 20-some years. And I, I did it. I think, I think my first reaction was to help my dad. But then when I, the fear set in, you know, oh, what are you going to do? You'll have nothing. Then it was just, well, the Lord, you know, that's the Lord's problem. I'm going to do this because I feel I should and the, trust the Lord to take care of the rest. And let me tell you, I, I feel that was a test in my life. Um, and the Lord has repaid me above and beyond, as the scripture says, what you could ask or even think. You know, my dad used to say it pays to serve the Lord, and he was right. God will never be indebted to us. He always does above and beyond what we do for him. Uh, we're his children. Think about what you do for your children because you love them. God is God does so much more for us because he loves us. And so I would encourage you to to have some spine, to say, okay, I'm going to step out and do this. And Lord, if it's not your will, check me. And if it is your will, give me the courage to keep taking steps. And I ask you to bless the effort. And then you just leave it with him. You, you just... 
I, I, I'm groping just like everybody else. I don't have visions. The Lord doesn't speak in an audible voice to me. It's just like, well, I'll take a step here and, you know, is the Lord opening the door? Can I take another step? It's by faith. And if you make a mistake, if you go down a direction that turns out that, that I shouldn't have done that, it's not the end of the world. God doesn't say, oh, you're finished now. I'm going to step on this and you're done. No, he chastises us. He doesn't punish us. He corrects us. It's like, okay, you need to get back over here where I wanted you to begin with. And then he'll bless. He'll make up for that error that you make. It's not, it's not a, a forever thing. It's just an, an occurrence in your life. And so, uh, fear is what we fight, and the devil uses that. You know, he 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 likes to use fear. It's his best weapon against us. But um, if you just say, no, I feel my spine getting stronger as we speak, and I'm just going to trust the Lord that even if I'm making a mistake, he can correct it and show me the, the right way and just do something. You know, if you sit and do nothing, then you're you're not helping anyone. You're burying that talent that God gave you, and you're not using it. So, Deborah Klein, thank you so much for blessing us, not only on your radio program, The Voice of First Nation Ministries, but here today with your experience and your wisdom and your counsel. And you've helped out so many of us over the years. Oh, I hope so. For those of us interested in helping out you, Deborah Klein, and First Nation Ministries, what's the best way? Right now, uh, money is the best way. Um, Diesel is more expensive than premium gasoline. Can you believe that? I mean, diesel isn't even refined. For the longest time, that was completely opposite, wasn't it? Yes, because it's, it's, it's kind of the dregs. It's not refined like gasoline is. And so it's always been cheaper because it wasn't as refined. And now, because there's so many diesel cars and trucks and whatever, they've jacked the price up. And you pay more for diesel, which is what our truck is. And so trips are very expensive. And uh, if you can't afford to give financially, we are we are taking uh, goods as long as it's in good condition. We're giving it in the name of the Lord. We don't want stained clothes, broken zippers, missing buttons. You know that that's not a good witness. And so we are taking clothing. However, because of the inexpensive clothing that we get from a nation that I will not mention. Um, Our country is buried in clothing. Um, You know, the, the thrift shops say we we've got all we can handle. We can't take it. Um, Even some of the reservations are saying, you know, our clothing closet, uh, we've just got more than we can handle. But what we do need are, uh, good shoes, coats, warm clothing, sweaters, coats, stuff, hats, gloves, things for cold weather, bedding, blankets, warm blankets. Um, we do need kitchen items, silverware, dishes, pots and pans. Um, furniture is good as long as it's not, you know, we, we can't haul fancy China cabinets out there that have glass shelves and all that. That isn't going to work. First of all, their homes are not big enough for that kind of a thing. And it's a, it's a luxury and it wouldn't survive the trip anyway. But chairs, uh, dressers, 
dressers are a premium. Um, and, of course, if you have vehicles that you want to donate, we can always use that. Even if they don't run, we can. We have somebody that can sell them for scrap uh, with your permission, with the donor's permission, and turn that into cash. So, And because First Nation Ministries is, is a church, yes. all of these donations are tax deductible. That's correct. So if it's been put on your heart to help out before the year's end, First Nation Ministries is a great opportunity for you to help out. Yes. You now, I the- have to tell you, the week between Christmas and New Year's, we take off. We're very busy in the fall and especially very busy in the month of December. And so from Christmas to New Year's, we will be closed. Get it done before That's Christmas right. Eve. That's right. And let them get their time of mm-hmm. rest together to just be. Yes. And spend quality time with loved ones. Mm-hmm. Don't miss Deborah Klein and the Voice of First Nation Ministries every weekday afternoon at 1 on 93.9 KPDQ and also weeknights at 6 on True Talk 800. You can call First Nation Ministries at 503-477-6077. That's 503-477-6077. And you can also email Deborah Klein at mail at firstnationministries.org. That's mail at firstnationministries.org. And that's also their website, firstnationministries.org. President and host of The Voice of First Nation Ministries, Deborah Klein, thank you and your family and your outreach so much for helping out Native Americans and blessing us so many times over. We really appreciate what you do. Well, the privilege is mine, Mike. Thanks, Thanks for having me on the program. It's always my privilege to have you mm-hmm. and to hear some more wonderful stories. Let's do this again sometime soon, okay? Let's do. Thanks so much for listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Filling in for Georgine, I'm Mike Lee. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at GRice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.